Are you curious about, interested in, or working within the field of anesthesiology and you are a woman, person of color, or otherwise do not fit the stereotypical image of what an anesthesiologist looks like, then this is the podcast for you. We will discuss what life is like on the other side of the blue drape for us. Issues most relevant, such as what is anesthesia really? And we're not talking textbook definition. Tips for applying, success in residency, life as an attending, and beyond. Join us each week as we take a dive into this rich and often misunderstood field. This is your host, Dr. Alicia Peterson, and welcome to Sivo Sisters. To Sivo Sisters, where we demystify and diversify the field of anesthesiology all within the duration of an anesthesia break. And this week, we conclude our conversation with Dr. Stephen Bradley. If you have not been listening for the past two weeks, go back, listen to our first conversation with Dr. Bradley and continue with us all because we've received incredible value from his story. This week, we are going to talk about how the creative process has enhanced his time in and out of medicine his health scare, how he met his wife, and finally, how we need to reflect to savor and appreciate our lives. We're going to jump into Dr. Bradley's creative pursuits at the beginning of this episode. And I hope that encourages you in your process of building a fulfilling life. Please enjoy. How have you taken advantage of that block schedule? What passion did you pursue first? How did you get that courage to go out and and pursue these other things? I've been working on making music. Since the pandemic, I really got into taking the piano and and I picked up some other instruments, bass guitar and acoustic, but then learning how to record these different instruments and mix them in different ways. And so I've been making a lot of lo-fi music. If you look at my Instagram, like at first, I was like, I want to be a med influencer and I want brand deals. And then I realized I really don't like taking pictures, but I do like making music. And so that's mostly what my mixtapes or lo-fi music. If you follow me on Instagram at Stephen Bradley MD, so, I mean, but that's what I've been working on. Also doing a lot of reading. So I get to read about medical ethics. I'm looking at Wait, wait, wait. Let's of- go back real quickly with the music. What do you have <laughs> to do with that? Is that simply just like a hobby? What does that look like? It's just a hobby. I'm working on a lo-fi album and I think it's the, the lo-fi RX is my album name. I had a, a health scare when I was in the military, um, got worked up for cancer. Thank God it was benign, but it was very stressful. As you can imagine, you know, really solidified my relationship with my wife, which was, you know, some of the good things that came out of that, but also an, an appreciation for life and for the things that we do and why we do them. And the thought of creating something that that lives past you. Reading Rick Rubin's book, The Creative Act, it really talks about just creating and putting things out into the world. You and this podcast, um, creativity is the, the art of the anesthetic that you provide that provides long-lasting results for that patient or the lo-fi music that, that I create and upload. We don't control who is inspired by the things that we do. It's just our job to be inspired and to create and to release that into the world. So having that kind of new perspective on life 
it helped me start the Black Doctors podcast. I'm just going to put it out there. And it's not going to be perfect, but I'm going to learn and grow. And it's going to be there. Necessarily monetize the music that I create. We we have this whole like side hustle mentality that I need to make money off of everything. It's like, maybe not. Maybe you just like doing what you're doing. Hey, oh, that's beautiful. I had envisioned as you were talking, the pebble in the river, right? And the mm. ripples. So all of what and and I think that's a beautiful view to have of it is that so many of us have talents and gifts and just are sitting on it or afraid to share when, like you said, no judgment, just put it out there. You never know who would be inspired by what it is you do. It's just all you're doing is just dropping the pebble. That's it. You already have the gift in you. You're just yeah. releasing it to share. And wherever the ripples go is where they go. So that's a very beautiful perspective. And I hope that someone is encouraged to just like, let it go, just share it. And and then you mentioned that it doesn't have to be perfect. You're right, right? Progress over perfection. Mm-hmm. Just take the first step. So that's that's beautiful. And yeah, you're right. Not everything has to be monetizable. But of course, I had to ask if it was going to be because everybody <laughs> wants to know. <laughs> we'll see. If, if somebody wants to pay for it, yes, I, I will sell you my music. <laughs> So, okay, wonderful. So your music is on uh, Instagram at, you know, Stephen Bradley, MD. Well, I, as a, since we're here, I, I did just release my first, I guess it's, I guess it's a single um, on Spotify, Honolulu Nights to Lo- Lo-Fi track with the artist name lofi.rx. Nice. All right. That's so exciting. And then you also, you do ethics. When did mm-hmm. that come into your life? That happened in residency in the ICU where you see so many different types of situations and issues and, and this complex where we're dealing with artificial hearts and ventricular assist devices, all these mechanical circulatory support devices that are basically creating bionic humans. And how do you do what's best for the patient? And the University of Chicago has the McLean Center for Clinical Medical Ethics. So it's able to participate in that fellowship as a CA3, covered the ethics consultation service and spent a month in didactics. And throughout the year, we saw ethics consults. And I thought it was so important. One, it's fascinating to me to see different perspectives. You come from a very religious background, and I went to a state school in HBCU and was in the military. So I have all these, these different experiences that helps me connect with patients and understand from a different perspective what, what they're going through. And then when you look at people that are in the ethics space, that's not representative of the people that were making these policies about, then that in and of itself is a ethical, equitable dilemma. So being able to contribute my voice has been very rewarding and hopefully helpful. Where you practice ICU, are you, you're the ethics go-to person? Is that? Working on it. You know, I'm new to my institution and they're about three, four months now. So working on, you know, applying different ethics committees. I was on the ethics committee in the military, incorporate that kind of wherever. In the Navy, I was the go-to guy. Um, But now, you know, I'm in a season where I'm just reading and self-growth as I look for other opportunities to work in this space. When did you start the Black Doctors podcast? It was in 2020. Yeah, the pandemic. I think everybody got a little extra creative in the pandemic. And that was right after, like I mentioned, that, that health scare when I was like, how can I leave a legacy? How can I do something that helps? And like Instagram is so everything moves so fast, doesn't stick around at all. So I figured, hey, let me figure out how to do this podcasting. I was doing the music and the the music production. I really like 
the audio engineering and trying to make it sound as best as I can. Oh, incredible. What sparked you to say, you know what, this is something that we need in the space. And then what drove you to actually do it? Because, you know, those are two separate events. Yeah, I'll just do stuff on a whim, my wife laughs, and I'll just like think about it. I'm like, oh, let's let's do X, Y, and Z. You know, I won't put too much thought to it. Well, one, the internet has everything at our fingertips. Google, and you can learn everything you need to know about starting a podcast. So I kind of spent a week or two weeks kind of doing this deep dive on how do I actually do this? What pushed me to do the podcast is looking on social media, the med influencer space, and looking at people glammed up, designers, scrubs, I like that's not the experience I had in medical school. There was days I had for dinner, it was a hamburger bun that I made into garlic bread. And then I had a Lipton's soup envelope that was just add water. And I struggled. And to see people, you know, and, and happy for them that they're living their experience, but the the financial impact of buying these designer scrubs, living these soft lives or or whatever, it's like that's not realistic for a lot of people going to medicine. And I think, you know, part of that social media where you you think this is a lifestyle that I'm subscribing to, or I'll never fit in here. I didn't want that. And I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty basic dude. I just want the Black Daughters podcast. I'm going to interview regular people because we all have incredible stories. If you are Black in medicine, you have an incredible story. And I said, those are the stories that people need to hear. That's what's going to inspire people. You mentioned a few times throughout the interview that you're a B student. I see that as being what we we all frankly need, as in like down to earth, as in something we all connect to. You are who we need you to be, to give it to us straight. Because <laughs> what messes people up is the comparitis. See all these glimmery things on social media and thinking I must be doing something wrong. Thank you for giving us the real and taking the filters off. And I do like to further take the filters off. If you Google me, there's a lot of stuff that pops up. I have a website. I haven't updated that in a year and a half. I've got a YouTube channel. I haven't posted a YouTube video in probably two years. I want to use that for health education. But I was in a season where I was in fellowship and I didn't have the bandwidth to do all of this. There's a lot of things out there and that's okay. Try the YouTube channel. Maybe it's going to be a season where you're not going to be on it or maybe it's not for you. I am not actively doing all these things that that it may look like I'm doing. I really just post my lo-fi to Instagram and do my podcast every Monday. I'm far from a, a super human. We appreciate that. And then <laughs> remiss, how did you meet your wife? Relationships is huge. So many single women out there that are like, hey, I'm in medicine. How the heck did you start a family? How the heck did you meet your person? I'm going to extend that to you. When did you meet your wife? And how how was that able to be developed in the midst of all of what the intensity of what medical training entails? And yeah. So I met my wife through a mutual friend. We were, he was a Pete's resident. He actually co-hosted my podcast. They were best friends, went to undergrad together. Some people go in like, I want a partner in medicine or don't. And I, I don't know, for me, it's like, why would you limit your options from jump with one of them in medicine? Like you should fall in love with whoever you fall in love with. I always will advocate for dating friends of friends because you already have like a litmus test. If you trust your friend, you can probably trust their friend. I saw her on his Instagram and I was like, hey, who's your friend? He's like, oh, you should follow her. So I followed her on Instagram 
and I waited. And then like a week later, I'm scrolling through, I click on her profile again. And she clearly deleted my friend request because I had to oh follow God. her again request. So, so I, I was like, Oh, do I, do I, is this a sign? Or do, so there's a lot of, you know, stress and turmoil, but yeah, I hit the follow button again and she accepted it. And this was kind of going into my last year of residency. We met, we went on a couple of dates. Like things are starting to progress. Now she lived in New York. I was in Chicago at the time. And then I was leaving Chicago to go to Virginia to start my time with the Navy. And I will say I, I catfished her because you know I was single in Chicago. So I was in the gym. I was about 20 pounds heavier. I had locks down to my shoulder. And the next time she saw me after we made it official, I'd gone to boot camp with the Navy. Food was terrible. I dropped 20 pounds. My head was shaved. She's a trooper. She was like, who, who is this? So we did distance for the first two years. She was in New York. I was in Virginia. Once or twice a month, I would go AWOL to drive up to New York and visit her. And then during the pandemic, New York shutting down, she moved to Virginia. Then we were engaged and now we've been married a year and a half. I'm blessed. She's incredible. She's super laid back down there. She's from New York, New York woman. I'm a little scared of her. No, I'm kidding. She's, she's, uh, <laughs> she's incredible. The relationship aspect, I drug her from New York to Virginia and then to Chicago for fellowship. And I said, well, you know, you can pick wherever we go next. And she still didn't really pick a, a location, but I knew during the interviews when we went down to Florida, which is near her parents, it's near my parents. At some point we'll want a family. I could see how happy she was at this institution and a very interesting spot for me to actually choose a career decision based upon you know us growing together. So it's been an awesome time, work in progress. But yeah, she's fantastic. Wonderful. Is she in medicine or she's not in medicine? She's not. She's not in medicine. Oh, nice. So how did she take you know the intensity of your training? It, it was uh, stressful. So like being in the, in the Navy, I was deployed, and that was a, a real real strain in our relationship. Where for five months I was on a ship and. We could only talk to each other like in random times. And it was very clear, like this military career is just not, it's not going to work with our relationship. This is too much stress on on our system. And then the same thing in fellowship, we weren't together in training. So it was a little bit of a shock for her to, to see how busy fellowship is. And then she could see kind of how it affected me, which is something that I wasn't cognizant of, right? Because I'm not staring at myself when I get home, but she could tell that a very busy ICU or, or trauma call would affect me. And having her external push was like, hey, maybe let's choose something that's a little less QED. Whereas I'm like, oh, you know, ICU, I'm, I'm here to do it all. And I was like, okay, let's try it. And now I'm super happy, good job, just growing together, time for my music and other hobbies. So, oh, so good. And a big gem that you gave us there was the friend of the friend. Don't sleep on that just so many hurdles already passed because the friend validated this person. When you're ready to settle down, friend of a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, before we close, is there anything additional you want to share with the listeners? Any any points you want to drive home? We've mentioned quite a few of your endeavors, the Black Doctors podcast uh, hosted by you, <laughs> the Instagram at Stephen Bradley, where you mentioned the low res. Yeah, lo-fi RX oh, prescription, sorry. yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. RX. I just caught that. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's excellent. And then you have uh, the stephenbradleymd.com website and also the YouTube by the same name. Yeah, that, that's all of it. I would just say I'm obsessed with the journey 
of life and it's so easy to focus on where you want to be, take a minute and just appreciate where you're at. I look at the past a lot, six months into intern year when you're just extremely tired. Look back six months, look back a year to when you were applying to residency and you work so hard at this spot. You know, you look at social media, residency is tough and, and it absolutely is. And we're working so hard. But a year ago, two years ago, you were doing whatever it took to get to that residency spot. So I spent a lot of time in the past because it helps me appreciate the present. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, that that kind of reflection is what protects you from all those negative forces that you just want to beat up on yourself. And mm-hmm. so look at how far you've come. Yeah. Thank you for reminding us to reflect and to savor our lives. Oh, really appreciate this, Dr. Bradley. And we so look forward to album, to your continued podcasts, <laughs> and all the other things that you have on the docket for your journey. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Dr. Peterson, for having me on. For his creative process, he had three points I want to highlight. One is, don't overthink it. If you have something you know you want to do and it keeps coming back to you, keeps haunting you, like, hey, you should do this. You should do this. Go ahead and do it. Within anesthesiology, it's such a cerebral process. We are constantly overthinking. We want to research it and study it. And and then by the time it comes down to actually doing it, we're overwhelmed. We no longer we no longer have the bandwidth or capacity or we've made so many excuses to rationalize why it can't be done that we just abandon it. And medicine is more than happy to eat up any time you decide to devote to that. So we end up getting overburdened with things in the hospital and we never come back to it. So don't overthink it. This is what uh, Dr. Bradley did Uh, He's just said, go on ahead and do it. And he spent his time learning about how to do what it is that he said he wanted to do. Secondly, he experimented. He did some YouTube. He's doing Instagram. And some of the mediums, he decided he really liked the audio medium. So he continues with the podcast and making his music. The second point I want to make is that Medicine doesn't necessarily encourage you to dabble and experiment, but everything must be evidence-based. And that's just not the approach to life. To have a fulfilling and satisfying life, we have to take risks and we have to experiment and be willing to dabble and be willing to be the ignorant one and and learn because that's how you grow. So the second point is go on ahead and experiment and dabble. Um, you might find that there's something you love and you would have never came across it if you just stuck with what you know. And thirdly, he he went with a passion that got him angry. Um, you know, what what are some things that ignites you? For him, what drove him to do the, the podcast was he wanted to break the lies that were told on social media. What are some areas in life that really stirs you, gets you upset. That could be an area in which you should write or tweet or make a video about for scratching that creative itch is don't overthink it, experiment, and ask yourself what gets you angry.
At the end of the podcast, Dr. Bradley encourages us to look back and reflect. The process he names is what is discussed in the book called The Gap and the Gain by Dan Sullivan and Dr. Ben Hardy. What they talk about is so often we live in lack, like, oh, I haven't done that yet. This has to be done. This has to be done. We're always looking towards the the next fellowship or the next job or the next certification. And we never take time to appreciate where we are. So they recommend, as has Dr. Bradley here, to stop comparing yourself to your future ideal and the future, but instead compare yourself to where you were. Look at your starting point as your metric to how far you have come instead of always looking at how much further you need to go. By looking at your starting point and seeing how far you've come now, you can appreciate your growth. You can celebrate your wins. And this act of celebration and gratitude is what continually feeds you and gives you that positive attitude you need to take on the next challenge or obstacle. An exercise they recommend is at the end of the day, you write down three wins for that day. Write down your three wins and those wins, you define what they are. Before going to bed, you write down what you want your three wins to be for the next day. So you have a setup for appreciating what you've done and looking forward to the wins that you're going to have tomorrow. That creates forward momentum, which leads to continued gratitude, continued celebration, and ultimately fulfillment because you now can see written in your own hand all the wins that you've had so far. So anytime you fall back into, oh, why did I do this? And what's this? And oh, such a loser. And I'm not getting there fast enough. No, no, no. You have a catalog of all those wins that you have made and that you are working to make. So thank you, Dr. Bradley, for bringing that up. And if you want to read more, I recommend picking up that book. All of Dr. Bradley's endeavors will be in the show notes, as well as the book that he mentioned by Rick Rubin, The Creative Act. Join us next week as we discuss with Dr. Odie Ahe at UCSF how she almost quit medicine altogether. And we'll talk about that critical part that turned it all around. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sivo Sisters. If you love this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you don't miss out. New episodes drop every week on a Monday because we all can use a little something, something to get us through the week. Am I right? I'd love to hear more from you on the topics that you want to hear. So let me know in the comments. This is Dr. Peterson signing off. See you next time.